Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. All right, let's go into it. So the title of my sermon tonight is Fear You Have to Go. No more. And our theme for the whole month has been confidence in Christ. Okay? Having confidence in Christ. Okay? Confidence in Christ produces boldness. Who wants to be bold? Who wants to be super bold? You know? Confidence in Christ will will cause that to happen. Um, I know you probably know this. um, And to have confidence in Christ, fear has to go. That's, that's basically what I want to be really aiming tonight. I want to see fear removed out of all of our lives, okay? I want to see us just have that boldness, that get them up and go, you know what I mean? Get up and go at them. You're wondering what this sword's doing here tonight. <laughs> Trust me, I'm okay. It's all right. <laughs> this sword has come all the way from Israel. It was flown directly over here for tonight's service. <laughs> this is the very sword that David used to cut off Goliath's head. Wow! Hey, isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? There's still a little bit of blood on. Oh! (laughs) Whoops, stay, stay. Okay. All right. Uh, Francesca Battaselli, the breakup song. She says, fear you don't own me. So fear you'll never be welcome here. Wawa. Goodbye, goodbye, fear. Wawa, you will never be welcome here. Amen. I love that song. Okay. You know, in 1 John 4, 18, if you're taking notes, 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. Fear has torment. We don't want fear. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So it's not we're going to be dealing with fear. We're going to get rid of fear. Fear is going to get the boot the big boot, amen? Okay? All right. You know, and I, I can just talk about an experience here that I had, uh, me and my wife had many years ago. We used to live in uh, Mount Nut Road. We had a high-set house. And um, the kids were young. And I remember this one particular night because it was cold. And, uh, and I think that's what sparked it back to me because it's been cold lately, you know? And so I remember uh, this one particular night. It was very cold. And anyway, it was probably 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. And there was this bang and this clatter because we're in a high-set house, okay? And it was banging and a clatter. And my wife woke me up. I sort of heard it. I didn't want to take your notice of it. I said, I think there's somebody downstairs. <laughs> I said, yeah, you reckon? <laughs> and I said, maybe if we go back to sleep, it'll go away. <laughs> so anyway, there's more clattering and banging going on downstairs. And she said, I really think you should go down and see what's going on. <laughs> and I said, I said, Sharon. How about you go down? See what's going on. She said, I'm not going down to see what's going on. I said, it's okay. I'll be behind you. Well, you know. She said, if they see you going downstairs, they won't hurt you because you're a woman. But they might bash me up or something. I don't know what's going on. And she said, you are the man of the house. You go downstairs. Oh, okay. All right. And, of course, the fear, the imagination, what's going on. Is this guy like six foot ten? What's happening? You know what I mean? And so, all right, I creep gently down the stairs, one step at a time, you know, and I'll see this big figure, 
he'd gone and made himself a bed out of a couple of chairs down at the bottom of the stairs there, you know. I'll get down a little bit closer. And it was really cold too. A little bit closer. Okay, all right, okay. I'll get back up again. It's all right, Sharon. It's okay. It's all right. Everything's okay. So I went and got a blanket. It was really cold. I went and covered the, went back down, covered the guy up, went back up, went back to bed. <laughs> so I said, I didn't want to wake him up or whatever else. So we'll just cover him up. He'll be good. He'll be good. And so, yeah, anyway, in the morning, there, sure enough, went down. He's gone. The blanket's all put aside and that, you know, put the chairs away. And that was all good. That's how I dealt with the intruder. It was all good. <laughs> so um, true story is true story. A couple of years later, this person... I was talking, I was telling the story a couple of years later to um, where we were at a barbecue or something like that. And, and um, anyway, I was telling the story about what happened about the intruder. Sharon was saying, yeah, and he tried to get me to go down there to, you know, to deal with the intruder, you know. <laughs> and I said, that's what wives are for, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but anyway, a couple of years later, anyway, um, we were at the barbecue and I was talking about it. And this person was at the barbecue. That person that was down there that day was me. I said, Wow. He has been coming home from a party. It was late at night and he was drunk and he couldn't make it any further and he knew that where I lived and so he thought if I could just get to his place, I'll be safe. I'll, I'll be able to probably just you know, crash out or something underneath the house. And, um, and it was actually uh, probably about six months after that event took place, he ended up getting saved with his heart to the Lord. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> you know, saints, it's like you just don't know, you know how God can use you. And so God was able to help me deal with my fear that night, you know, in a, in a safe way, in a good way, you know. Amen. So I covered the guy up and, yeah, and so God saved him. He set him free. Yeah, that was awesome. Okay, so in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. Oh, the clock is on, man. Oh, I like it. It's all right. Don't, don't turn and look at it. It's all good. Okay, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 to 5 says, For the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen? And, you know, our imaginations can really get the best of us sometimes. You know, we can think things into being which aren't really there. And I know kids, when you're growing up, sometimes things can be very magnified. And I remember living in Camperdown, Victoria, uh, stormy, cold night. I used to live in a little outhouse. And um, I still remember outhouse is like a little sleep out house off the house, you know what I'm saying? And I used to have a dog called Boson and he used to sleep at the end of my bed. He was like my protector. Okay, he was a big um, bulldog. Oh, not a bulldog, a boxer dog. They're more bigger than bulldogs again, more savager. And I always remember this night there was lightning and thunder and all this sort of stuff going on and the leaves were rattling on the roof, you know. And as a 10, 11-year-old kid, man, that's scary stuff, you know. And, and all of a sudden, these images began to appear. Kids, who's ever seen images like you think there's something there, but there's nothing there? And I still remember seeing these things that are starting to appear. Oh, there's a boogeyman. He's there. He's up against the wall there. And I'm looking up at him. I could hardly see. But every time the lightning had flashed, I could see this boogeyman beginning to appear. And then I, start, I was starting to get really panicky about the whole thing. And I said, Boson, Boson, skitch him, skitch him, boy. And Boson's jumping up and he, he doesn't know what to bark at. But he's barking at these shadows, whatever's going on, that I'm scared of. And, and all of a sudden, I think to myself, there goes a shadow. It's gone over there, Boson. He jumps off. He's barking at that thing. And I'm like, oh, no, I can't see it anymore. It's under the bed, Boson. And next minute, the dog is under the bed. Get under the bed. And I'll tell him, skitch him, skitch him, boy. He's lifting the bed up. 
the bear jumping up and down like something out of an Exodus movie. Look, I'm telling you, and everything's going ballistic. All the lights, I remember the lights coming on in the houses down the road. My mum's coming down with the torch. You know, Mark, what is going on? Oh, sorry. Oh, you know, oh, there's something, I thought there was something under the bed, mum. I don't know what was going on. Somebody tried to get inside my room. So here's a little 11, 11-year-old boy with his blanket over his shoulder and his dog walking back inside the house, the safety of the house. But anyway, but you know what? There was nothing there. Of course there was nothing there. But our imagination can get hold of us. Amen? That's why the Bible says we have to cast down every thought, every imagination that will exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Amen? We're to cast it down every day. We can't allow fear to get a foothold. We don't want fear to get a foothold in us, in our lives. Amen? Oh, let's continue on. And we all know the story of King David. I'm pretty much going to sort of like cut the chase in a few parts here. Because you know what it's like when you preach. You always have more than enough. (laughs) I make sure I've got at least three hours worth of preaching here to go. But um, yeah, so I'm just going to sort of like um, just continue on. King David grew up as a shepherd boy. And it was really good to hear that Lisa was telling me that they're doing the story on King David and Goliath. And guess what? That's what God was sort of showing me today about King David and Goliath. So I think that's awesome. And, and King, uh, well, listen, how about we get Lisa? Be very careful with him. I've brought a friend tonight, okay? I've brought another friend, all right? So don't be afraid when you see him, all right? He is a pretty tall guy. He's a, he's a big dude, okay? I'm going to get Lisa, and maybe I won't get Yarn yet because he's a part. I'll get Bo. Could you just please go and grab that big monstrosity over there that's up against the back wall? And if you can set him up against here, leaning back this way, okay? And, uh, yeah, we'll see how we go with this. So here's King David. Okay, you can, leave, you can keep, put your eyes back on me again for the minute. Don't worry about that. Unless they break it, okay? You might have to walk down the stairs if it may be. Or whatever you do, it's okay. All right. Okay, so King David grew up as a shepherd boy. He was called to be a king, but before he could take on his kingship, he would have to go through some grueling hardship and training. The training manual, if you can, just come down there, okay? Yeah, turn around and just put it down that section right there. There we go, okay. Now, believe it or not, that is a real, that can go back a little bit further if you want, Lisa. Yep, that's good, that's cool. We don't want him falling down anybody. I know it will cause all sorts of dramas. That is a real, live Goliath. According to the Bible, according to the calculations, that's how big he is, you know? That's how big he is, Okay. If you want to have a quickly stand up beside him, you can. We'll do it later on. We'll do it later on, okay? You can get some photos taken later on of him, okay? So if you can imagine David having to fight a dude like that, I mean, that is absolutely, yeah. All right, let's, let's continue on. Okay. So David, he would have to go through some grueling hardship and some training to become a king. The training manual that would shape David's life was written by God himself, okay? No golden palace, no king's minders to show him how to talk, how to fight, you know. Some people got to go to adequate school, I think they call it, you know, know how to put your arms together when you're eating and, and how to vow at this, you know what I mean, talk really like neat, you know, yeah. So he had none of that, okay. So his, his training manual was by God himself. God had to show him, how to take him through a grueling, you know, an SAS style like training, you know what I mean, program. Actually, I think the SAS have took, taken their, uh, their training, the SAS in in Britain, it's supposed to be one of the elite, um, hardest soldiers in the world, apparently. 
according to Wikipedia. Anyway, okay. Um, he would have to show, David's great strength would be being fearless, facing the enemy head on and showing no fear. True leaders must face their fears head on. King David would have possessed natural confidence, okay, just like everyday people who are successful in life, but there is a difference between natural confidence and then confidence inspired by the Holy Ghost. Amen? There's lots of confident people out there, but there's a difference, a big difference, okay? And we see here, um, 1 Samuel 6.13 says, Then Samuel took, if you want to get it, 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. Some translations say the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David, Okay? Now take note that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day from that day forward. Okay? From that day forward. Now, at the same time, the anointing left King Saul. So when the anointing left King Saul, then something took its place. Okay? So we find out then after the anointing had left King Saul, that evil spirits would come and torment him. Okay? So it's very important us as Christians that we treasure the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We treasure it with our lives. I've been in Christianity for a long time and I have seen what happens to people who don't treasure the anointing. And they're still out there today, wasted, tormented by spirits, which they never ever thought would ever come upon their lives again. You know, so it's important, saints, not let's treasure the anointing of God. It's treasure. It's worth more than gold. Amen? The anointing of God, it's what makes us strong. It's what makes us powerful. It's what makes us bold. Amen? We can jump through a a fence or a a troop or something, whatever it is, that old song. Leap over a wall. Yeah. Jump through a troop. Yeah. Okay. All right. You know, and at the same time, the anointing left King Saul. And Matthew 12, 43, 45 says, and we know the story about the house that's been swept. That's Matthew 12, 43 uh, 43 to 45. And we know the story about the house being swept clean and what happens when the person gets, his, gets delivered, he gets set free, his house is totally empty, he's ready to, ready to be served Jesus, but he doesn't. And what happens is that those spirits that were cast out of him, they walk around for a while and, oh, stink this, there's nothing out here for us, let's, let's try and go back to where the house, you know, the house we come out of. But if that person's got Jesus in there and he's got the sword of the Spirit there, there is no way you can come in. You won't come in here because I've got the Word of God in my life. I've got Jesus. You can't come in. Doesn't matter which way you try and come in. I've got you. But saints, if you haven't got the Word of God in your life, I'm sorry. You're going to allow strangers to come into your house that you never ever intended to have come in. Amen. We don't want that to happen. Okay, so let's make sure we keep the Word of God every day. Amen. I think Dylan might have been talking about the Word of God. Make sure that we read God's Word every day. Amen. It's awesome. It's awesome. God's Word is awesome. We're going to continue on. Quick. You've only got 15 minutes. Quick. Hurry up. Okay. All right. We'll move on. Now, David's confidence came through the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe the King David slew the bear and the lion after the Holy Ghost had come upon him. Amen? Not before. Because at the moment, he became fearless, not afraid of anything. After the Holy Ghost came upon him. Okay? 
They say that David was around the age of 20 when he fought Goliath. He was already serving in the king's court as a musician to help Saul with his demons. You know the story, like he was a musician before he became a warrior. So, of course, but King Saul didn't know that he was David or anything because you'll read further on that once he killed Goliath, he, he said, who's this guy? He didn't realize that David was there all the time getting rid of the demons out of his life by playing this really nice instrument. You know, like Dolphy and all them guys, you know. Heck, anyway, and, and of course Dylan and everybody else and the singers, you know, that's your job, you know, chase them rotten spirits out. Yeah, okay, all right. Uh, when confronted by Goliath, oh, hey, okay, this is it. Where's my David? Okay. Let's give a warm hand for David tonight. Okay. Now, he hasn't got a slingshot tonight. Okay? Is that a ping pong ball? Okay. Oh, it's not a golf ball. All right. Okay, brother. That's fine. Now, David, stand up against this guy here. This is a guy you're going to fight. Okay? Before, I'm going to paint the picture first. Okay? Now, David had been back there. He'd been feeding the sheep. Okay? And his father said to him, every now and then he'd have to go back and feed the sheep. He wasn't there playing the half of Saul all the time. Okay? And so David, okay, his father said, go and see what your brother's doing. He has three brothers who are in the army. You know, they're already in there. So, yeah, it's all cool. Okay, so David says, I'm going to go and I'm going to see what my brothers are all up to. And so when he gets there, all of a sudden, he, he sees all this commotion going on. And there's this big dude here, Saul. Ah, uh, that's not Saul. Uh, that's Goliath. Okay. He's come down from the hill and he's challenging. The moment he starts Bowling out, bowling out. You ever heard a bull roar out? This guy here, he goes, whoa, you know, whoa. He roars out. And you know what? The children of Israel, the soldiers, they run. Hide behind your seats. Quick, hide, hide, hide. You need to hide. The soldiers all hit. Yes, that's it. You're hiding. Yes. See all the soldiers, they're hiding. They're all hiding. Look at them. They're all scared. Look. So yes, you go up to them. You go up to Lisa. You go up to Lisa and say, What's going on? What's this guy doing, you know? You know, she says, yeah, you know, she says like, come on, tell him what's he doing. He's challenging the, the armies of Israel, you know? Yeah, okay, that's what you're doing. Okay. And so anyway, so he goes to the next one, the next one, and they say, oh, look, you know, yeah, yeah, what's going on? That's it. What's happening? What's happening? And Goliath, sorry, Saul gets a hold of this. He gets a hold of this, this insolent young man, David, this insolent young man, he gets a hold of it and he said, now this guy here claims that he's going to put Goliath to sleep for good, you know. He's going to knock him off his socks. He's going to knock him rotten. I mean, I can't see how he can do it. You don't like his chances? And so the thing is, so David, he was so full of boldness. He is so full of the Holy Ghost. He says, there is no way that this guy is going to put me down. There's no way. And you know what the amazing thing about it was? He had to go and see King Saul, and he just didn't just go talk to him like he would anybody else, because his brothers, he ticked them off, because they said, what are you doing? Come here, the battle, you know? You want to go see the battle, you know? And he said, he went to King Saul with total respect for King Saul, and he said, listen, he said, I slew the lion, and I slew the bear, and this here, I can slow him as well. And so he, he and King Saul, you see, God has the heart of the kings and the leaders of this world in his hand. He can turn them this way. He can turn them that way. You know, every nation that's on the planet, God either lifts them up or puts them down. Amen? So there's no leader that God can't turn this way or turn that way. We've all been created in the image of God. And so when David approached King Saul, 
he put his case to King Saul in a respectful way. He said, hey, I can do this. And explained his credentials to him saying, listen, I have slewn a lion. I have killed a bear with my bare hands. You know, and this guy here is no different. I can beat this guy too. And so King Saul looked at him. You know what? There's a lot of stake. There's a lot of stake here. Because he, King Saul was putting his whole trust, the kingdom's trust, in King David. Because if he lost, they were all going to be held captive. King, that was the deal. If, if, um, if um, Goliath beat David, then they all had to go be their prisoners and vice versa. So it was a pretty big deal. So King Saul seen the anointing that used to rest on his life resting on him. And for a moment, he seen the anointing. And he said, go, do it. Hey, go back there. You got to run back, run back, run back. Now, because the Bible says that he didn't just walk into the battle. He ran flat stick at him and he just chucked that thing. He was not afraid at all. Hey! Now, we're not going to make him fall down, but that's all good. That's all, brother. Let's give him a good hand. Yeah, and that's it. Amen. But you know what, saints? Far as far as David's going, this thing full of fear here has to go. He is not going to stay in my life no more. That's what he's saying. You know what? Goliath is not, he's got no room. See how big he can get if you let him? See how big he can get? A thought, a little tiny thought can grow into something which is monstrous. You know what I mean? But the moment you say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to go now, it will go. And there's nothing that Jesus can't do for us. Amen? Fear's got to go. I've had enough of fear. Haven't you had enough of fear? You know, no more frogs, no more snakes, <laughs> no more spiders, no, no more birds. You know, no more of these things, no more doggies, no more caddies. You know, some people are afraid of all sorts of things. There's all sorts of fears that people are afraid of. Tonight, fear is going down. It is going down. We're not going to put up with no more, okay? It's finished. Okay. You know what? I'm going to skip because we're all, oh, look at 20. Don't look, don't look. You know? You know, I had a, there's another whole heap of stuff. You ever want to do it yourself? On the kingly anointing. You know, that's not just any anointing we've got. It's a kingly anointing. Amen? That rests upon us. A kingly anointing. King John. I'm King Mark. Amen? High priestess. You're priest. Kings are priests. So, can women be kings as well? Queens. All right, we'll say you're a queen anointing. Okay, all right then, okay. Kings and queens, all right? I don't know how all this pans out, but I know there's a kingly and a priestly anointing because Revelation says, chapter 1, verse 5 to 6, and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. He is a prince of all the kings of the earth. Amen. Under him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and have made us kings and priests unto God. And his father. So we are priests and kings. So if we're priests and kings, we have a kingly anointing resting upon us. I'm just going to read just a couple of, couple of these. There's about 37 different um, points of a kingly anointing. I'm going to read a couple of them because we'll run out of time otherwise. You will prophesy. The Holy Ghost will come upon you. Acts 2.17. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Amen. You will prophesy over one another. Good things. Edification. Exhortation. Comfort. Amen. That's what you will do. You will speak words of wisdom and knowledge over each other. Amen? Of encouragement. Prophesy. Don't be like King Saul. I love reading that part about King Saul when he, sent, he found out where King David was. He said, David, he's down there of Samuel. You know the story. 
He sends one company of troops to go and get him. Go get him, go get him. They go there and they all fall down and they prophesy. The whole lot, more prophesying. I'm not sure they had clothes on or not. I'm not quite sure about that part. But anyway, the second lot go down. They go down. Go, go, go get them. They go there. And next minute, they all fall down and they start prophesying. The whole lot of them, the whole company of them. The third time, he sends another company down. They all go down. They all fall down and start prophesying. What's going on? And then all of a sudden, um, Saul says, well, look, I'm going to sort this out. This is ridiculous. They can't all be prophesying. So then he goes down. And what happens to him? He falls down. He takes his clothes off and he starts to prophesy naked. We're not going to be the naked church full of prophecies. But I'm just saying, this is what happened. Amen. You will prophesy. You will prophesy when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Amen. And you will encourage one another. Oh, oh let's get going. Oh, amen. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. And it says here, it will bring you into the company. Listen to this. It will bring you into the company of other kingly anointed men and women to help sharpen the gift on your life. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, building one another up in the faith. So you will sharpen with the spirit of the Lord each other, amen. You'll sharpen the gift in each other's lives by building each other up, amen. That's what the anointing does, amen. We'll sharpen each other. Jason's going to sharpen me. He's going to sharpen the gift of my life and I'm going to sharpen the gift in his life too, amen. Amen, we're all in it together. To build me up, build me up by the cup. Oh, baby, yeah, okay. All right, that's awesome. And here's another one. A kingly anointing will get you to your destination. Amen? Proverbs 3, 6, if you want to put that one down. Despite the difficulties, the devil may throw at you. Amen? A kingly anointing will get you to your destination. Look at King David. Look at all the stuff that was thrown at him. He was chased, he was pursued, he was in the wilderness, he was in caves. He had to look after the care of 300 and 500 and 600 men. He was chased all over the countryside, but yet he got to his destination. He got to become the king of Israel. Amen? Amen? The anointing will get you to your destination. Amen? You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about it. Just look after the anointing in your life and it'll get you to your destination. Don't stress about it. Matter of fact, try and help somebody else get their destination under, under, underway. Amen? Help them to try and get to their destination because don't worry about it. The anointing will automatically get you to your destination. Oh, that's good stuff. Mark it down. It's wind down time. Okay. Whoa, we're going good. Go Queensland. Whoa. Amen. You know what? I have so much stuff I want to share here tonight. Man, I've got, look, I've got so much stuff I want to talk to you about. The disciples and how that their confidence was, they were so confident when Jesus was on the earth. Come on. They're with Jesus for three years. Three years. I mean, they never had to worry about food. Didn't have to worry about where they're going to sleep. They didn't even have to worry about paying taxes because they just threw a line out and just caught a gold fish that comes up and there's the gold coin. Didn't have to worry about nothing. You know what? The Pharisees and scribes were the most feared guys around that time. Jesus made them look like amateurs. He just shut them down like nothing. And when they tried to stone Jesus and throw him off cliffs, he just walked straight through them. I mean, they were so confident. They were just full of confidence when Jesus was with them, you know? And, and, and when Jesus used to start talking things like, hey, you know, I'm going to have to die and, uh, and then I'm going to rise again. Oh, no, don't you start talking that sort of rubbish. 
Peter says, oh, no, don't you dare start saying about you leaving us, you know. That's not going to happen, never. And, of course, Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan, you know. This is, not, this is not what you have. And you know what? They were so bold, so confident. And, and there was a point that they were, they were starting to fight amongst each other. I'm going to sit beside Jesus in heaven. No, you're not. I'm going to sit beside Jesus in heaven. And, and Peter said, you know what? I walked on water. I should be sitting beside Jesus on heaven. You know, and John said, yeah, but I put my head up against his lap, you know. I'm the closest. I'll be sitting beside Jesus on heaven. You know, and so these, this is, they're so full of confidence. Nothing scared them. They were like that chest were puffed out. Like, oh, yeah, I'm Jesus. You know, I fed the 5,000. Oh, I was there. You know what I'm saying? It's like those thousands would follow them. Oh, well, hang on. Where, where were Jesus? Where are the disciples of Jesus? Oh, we're in, we are the top dogs. We are the top dogs. Yeah. And you know what? So they were basically, they were, they were the, this dream man for three years lasted. In the Garden of Gethsemane, it all fell down on. And Jesus, and Jesus, of course, we know the story. He prayed for three hours, sweated like drops of blood. And then the disciples, he said, this is it, boys. This is where it is. And actually, those three hours of prayer prepared Jesus for the, for the cross. Amen? Those three hours of prayer prepared Jesus to go to the cross. He had to pray. He had to pray. He was tempted in all areas like us. You know, I heard a, 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 I'm a bit of a John Bevere, um, you know, follower. I like his teachings. And he was saying that, that one of the questions that he was asked was that, could Jesus have sinned? He said, well, if he couldn't have sinned, why would he be tempted? He was tempted in all areas like us, but without sin. Amen? And so Jesus had to pray through. He prayed through, and when he prayed through for those three hours, he come wake the disciples up again and say, okay, boys, wake up. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, let's do it. He was ready. He was ready to go. He was ready to go to the cross and do what he was called to do. Amen? And the disciples didn't get it. And when the, when the Pharisees and the scribes and all the guys come along, you know, and they're going to take him, Judas was there, he betrayed him. And, of course, Peter was still full of boldness. He got the sword up and went, went to launch out. Oh, I'm not going to cut over his head. Oh, this is heavy, man. He went to launch out and cut off the, um, the, the Pharisee's head. He missed him totally, cut off the servant's ear. He wasn't a very good swordsman, Peter, was he? <laughs> he would never made it in the army, you know. He missed, he missed his, yeah, what he's supposed to do. And, of course, Jesus said, hold the boys, that's it. Got the ear, put it back on. And then he said, okay, take me. I'm right, let's go, let's do it. It's through the disciples in the spin. They were just totally devastated. What are you doing, Jesus? You're supposed to bring the kingdom down now. What's going on? And they all took off. They took off. It wasn't because they were afraid or they were scared. They were just so confused about the whole thing. They'd never been in this sort of situation before. They'd never had to face this before where Jesus would leave them. Where was their confidence? Their confidence was gone. It was gone. They took off. They bolted. Anyway, quick story short, Jesus come back, he rose from the dead, he come and encouraged them for 40 days, okay, and he told them, come on boys, come on, it's all right, come on, he gathered them around. And the interesting thing, they all went back to what they were doing before, because I thought that was it, it was finished, they went back fishing, they went back whatever, you know. And so, but anyway, and he said, listen, go wait, go wait, go wait, go wait for the comforter, go wait for the, I'm going to promise I'm going to send you the comforter. I'm going to send you somebody who's more powerful again, who can do twice as much as what I can do. And so they did. And of course, what happened? What happened? <laughs> I better go for in the scripture. Yes. And it says here, it says here, Acts 2.2, 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, 
and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire and it sat upon each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. Oh, this is where the boldness comes in. This is where the confidence in Christ comes in. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, fires. And it says, and now Peter and the disciples were moving in the newfound confidence, filled with the Holy Ghost, fearless, full of boldness, 3,000 souls saved in one day. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's the Holy Ghost fire. It's the Holy Ghost fire. Fill them up, fill them up, fill them up, fill them up, fill them up. Amen. That's what makes us bold. That must makes us bold. Oh, I've just about gone over. I just got, I'm going to finish off with one last, it's a testimony from my daughter. I hope you don't mind. It only goes for about one minute, okay? And we'll be done and dusted. Hallelujah. My daughter, um, Natasha, she's, um, she's been through a fair bit this year. And uh, I know she, she's told me that I could share this, this testimony that she experienced only two or three weeks ago. And, um, yeah, and so this is goes, 5th of the 6th, 2019. This morning I experienced an encounter like none I've ever encountered before. I woke up to go for my morning swim, but because it was so cold, I decided to stay home and instead have a bit of a meditation, prayer time, which I've been doing a lot of lately over the past few weeks. I've been really wanting to step out of my old nature and stepping more into my walk with God. I'm sick of my old life and repeating the same stuff over and over. I want something more. I want more of God. Anyways, I lit my scented candles up. I put on some Kirk Franklin worship music and started to sing and pray in the comfort of my own lantern. I spoke to God and I said, I want more. I'll give you my everything. Show me the supernatural. Give me more, Lord. Let me see. I want to see. Thank you, Lord. As I spoke these words in prayer and continued to sing and worship, I had a vision. I felt I was given a glimpse into the spiritual realm around me and in it. I could see demons, ugly and skinny and kind of like Gollum from the Lord of the Rings. They were crawling around me. I felt them trying to put fear on me, trying to stop the presence of God from entering. I cried and said, you don't belong here. Get out, demons. This is God's place. Get out in Jesus' name. At that moment, I felt a warm feeling run through my body and my hands. I started to sweat. I felt my throat building up like there was something that needed to come out. It was like a tight feeling. And as soon as I opened my mouth to speak, I started speaking another language. I was speaking in tongues. It just kept coming. I couldn't stop. I had to let it out. The words were just pouring out of me. I was laughing and crying at the same time, filled with such overwhelming feelings that I was shown another vision. The demons had fled. They bolted. I felt so much peace, so much happiness and joy. My mind was clear. What a beautiful experience. Thank you, Lord. You know, tonight, to have confidence in Christ, fear has to go. Goliath has to go down tonight. Fear's got to go. That's it. Fear's got to go. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.